as you're sitting down, turn around and say hello to somebody. And if you want to wave or, you know, bump fists or whatever you want to do, you can do it. There you go. Whatever you feel comfortable with, say hello to somebody. Hello down front here. All right. Good to see you. Hey, over there. Good to see you. All you folks out there on YouTube and the various platforms, God bless you and thank you today for being a part of this great service. We are an old-fashioned, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, hopefully Bible-behaving church. Come on in. Come on in, Harold. Amen. Good to see you. Praise the Lord. Good to have Martha with us today. Martha's visiting. And good to have our folks back with us again. Amen. After a while in remission, praise God. God has worked in, in bodies and spirits, and praise God for that. Let's give our guests a big round of applause. There may be others here as well. If you are a first-time guest, we want to make sure that you've got uh, one of our packets, and uh, you can fill out a card and let us know about your visit. Can I share with you the great need of our hour post-COVID is for people to come back to church and for us to go out and reach those that have never been reached before. And we need to do that. We have been trying in earnest to do that through visitation and... Um, we're going to be going out to the Prince William County Fair. We have three booths side-by-side side in the Expo building. And um, uh, we're hoping and praying that we'll have everything totally manned. You need to go through training or a tutorial. And uh, Tyler has got you covered. So if you can be out there for a little while during one of the sessions, the days are August the 11th through the 19th. August 11th through the 19th, we'll do a little training. There are two links uh, online, you need to go to, you need to see my soul winning clinic in 2018. Takes a couple hours to go through that, review that. And then last year's 2022 tra Prince William County Fair training uh, video, you need to see that. And then get a little update because we're adding something. We're giving, out, we're giving out our personalized New Testaments. Got the plan of salvation marked in it. We're giving those out as well. We're hoping to get about 1,000 of those out, along with about 6,000 tracks. And we need everybody, at least do this. How many of you, mark down the dates, August 11th through 19th, before and during, you're going to be praying for souls to be saved and folks to be contacted for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please do that, everybody. If, uh, if you feel like you can uh, reach heaven better and be more focused on spiritual things, if you fast, uh, the, under doctor's care, obviously, but... Uh, if you fast maybe one meal a day and pray during that time, or however, uh, whatever you need to do to, to, to uh, get your prayers to reach heaven, we want you to do that, okay? So please help us. But see, see Tyler, and we can point out Tyler to you so that, that he can help line you up, uh, give you a tutorial, and you'll be part of our visitation and soul-winning crew that's going to be out there. Amen. And we're going to do follow-up, and Brother... Uh, Brother Dequan is in charge of our follow-up, and uh, we've had hundreds of people make professions in the past, and uh, what we want to do is we want to follow up on all of them, and so to make sure that we do follow up, I'm hoping and praying that we can get uh, uh, a number of people that will help us with that as well, so please, uh, I want to encourage you along those lines, so uh, please see Brother Tyler about that, all right? So that's coming up, and to be part of our visitation. Uh, we will have uh, visitation this next Saturday at uh, 10 a.m., so plan to go. And uh, 
So those are just a few things that we need to do. Uh, churches, many churches are sitting empty. Many churches have closed down. Uh, many pastors have quit. And uh, there are hundreds and hundreds of fundamental independent Baptist churches that don't have pastors right now. It's a, it's a crisis situation. And we need to do what we can. Uh, praise God. He uh, used us to recommend and to pray uh, one of our dear friends, a uh, dear couple, Pastor Herman Broom and his wife Helen, into the Community Baptist Church of Annapolis. But it's just, it's like a restart. They have, they have a building that's paid for, but they just have a small handful of people. And Herman Broom preaches like I do. He believes like I do. They soul win like we do. And I've got a bunch of pastors that we're calling and talking to, and we want to take these people on for support. So based on the fact that you know what I know about them, we want to start with a love offering, using the red love offering envelopes. Could I get the ushers to come pass these out? One to every family or individual who wants them. And then if you would, give the very best offering you can. Now, uh, we're going to give the love offering. This is completely a love offering to Pastor Herman Broom. On the outside of your envelope, write Pastor Broom, just like a sweeping broom, B-R-O-O-M. And then make the check out, if you're writing a check, make the check out to Central Baptist Church. We'll send one love offering uh, to the brooms. And this is a start. Then as a church, we want to take them on for support. Uh, we will be getting testimony from them or get them down here. Of course, he's got regular services, so it's kind of difficult. And since uh, uh, this is short notice, we'll do what we can. We'll use emergency funds or whatever we've got to to help these people. But there are churches right now in the D.C. area who have said they will send busloads of church members to go door-to-door -to, -door, uh, to help the brooms with that new work up there, the, the Community Baptist Church up there in Annapolis. So they're going to send busloads of soul winners. Maybe you'd like to get in on the soul winning using their literature going door-to-door. -door. Let's do what we can do, amen? And uh, let's be what we can be to help them out. Lord, help Herman today as he stands in that pulpit right now as he's holding forth and preaching. I know what it's like to preach in an auditorium where you just got a few people. It's like marbles rolling around in a shoebox. It's not easy. And you want to keep from getting discouraged. Uh, old Pastor Simpson, who came up under the ministry of J. Frank Norris years ago, and he was a senior mentor to me. He said, Brad, he said, many pastors have fallen to, to moral issues or have fallen to doctrinal issues or ethical things. But more pastors have fallen to discouragement than anything else. We need to pray for the preachers and pray for the churches and pray for the little churches and pray for the missionaries. And then we need to do whatever we can do. I'm asking you today, give a love offering. What if it were you? What if it were your loved one? What if it were somebody you knew very well? Wouldn't you want to encourage them to be able to go on? Pastor Broom has missed his last four pay periods. All right? No check. No, no money to live on. What I'm telling you is we need to do something, and we need to do it now by the grace of God. We need to kick the devil in the teeth. Amen? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Let's do this for the glory of God. Amen. And amen. Won't you come back tonight at 6.30? I'll be preaching about our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. If you can't make it back, catch us online. We'd love to have you in our audience. And then... Let me encourage you this week, go online, get 
every day the devotions uh, from the shepherd to the sheep. And Wednesday night, we're going verse by verse through 2 Corinthians 7.30 on Wednesday night. As I said, Saturday, cleaning at 9 and visitation at 10. And uh, let's get ready for the Prince William County Fair as we've given it to you. Also, as we're giving offerings, don't forget our Nehemiah Fund, which is for our exterior and interior improvements. As we get ready for our 60th anniversary as a church, that will be celebrated on Sunday, October the 29th. So I hope that you'll, each one of you, fill a row. All right, so uh, let's see, one, two, three, about, about 10 people in a row. Maybe we squish them in, maybe 12 people. Would you bring 10 people? Would you bring 12 people with you? Let's fill a row on October 29th for our 60th anniversary to the glory of God. Let's do that. Amen. Find people that aren't going anywhere to church and get them to come on. Uh, get lost folks in and hear the gospel. Let's have a great host of uh, folks come to Jesus Christ and get saved as a result of our celebration that's coming up. Other special days ahead. We've got visitation, special visitation, and then we have one more extravaganza before our anniversary. It's the week prior on Saturday the 21st, Saturday the 21st of October, we'll have our next youth and kids extravaganza. We had a great group of kids and adults working with them and good results, and we're following up on those as well. Thank you so much for coming out and being part of our service today. Now let's talk about that trumpet. Let's do that for just a moment, shall we? Let's talk about the shofar. It's the ram's horn. Do you know if you heat up the ram's horn, uh, after you've removed it from the ram preferably, but if you heat up the ram's horn, you know, hollow it out and warm it up, you can change the shape of it. And so there are shofars, uh, shofars out there, and uh, I could have bought one and brought it into the pulpit, but I didn't want to drive you out the back door. So I didn't demonstrate it, but it's just it plays fourths and fifths, and uh, there are different, uh, different types of, of messages that are conveyed by the shofar. Here we have the silhouette of a man that's on the wall. And our scripture today is from Ezekiel 3.17. It says, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Give them warning from me. You know, I've... Uh, I've often thought about the various purposes of a trumpet or a bugle, how it sounds a warning. It can be a wake-up call, a wake-up call. How many of you were in the military or in the military? Raise your hands, all right. Um, didn't you enjoy hearing that bugle to get you up in the morning? Yeah, sometimes, no, sometimes at uh, 4 o'clock, sometimes at other uh, ungodly times, uh, just to get up and go and be disciplined. And so it was a wake-up. It's kind of like uh, your alarm. If you've got one of those pleasant alarms, look this way. If you've got one of those soft radios that plays soft music, all it makes you want to do is go back to sleep. Get some more. You've got to have something that goes, ah, 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 and you may have one of those. Of course, that makes your spouse angry because they don't have to get up as early as you do. But uh, you understand what I'm talking about, a wake-up call. How many of you have to go into your kids' rooms and get them up so they get ready uh, when school is in session to get up, get ready, you've got to get the bus, you've got to get to school, and so forth? That's, that's all part of uh, the difficulty of waking out of 
a, a very comfortable sleep, and getting on with God's plan for your life. Two weeks ago, I preached on God finishing what He starts. And God is in the process of working on you and working on me. And I know we've heard messages on don't quit, don't give up, and a lot of those messages are getting preached. But you know what? Knowing that God is on the job, He that keepeth Israel neither slumbereth nor sleep. He doesn't slumber, He doesn't sleep. Amen. And I'm so glad to know that 24-7, He's watching over me. Wherever I go, I'm in His care. And I'm kept, I'm kept by His care, but I'm kept by His promise. We sang about the promises of God in Sunday school. God has never broken a promise. He has never not kept His word. I believe in every word that's in this book. If you've got a King James Bible, you're very fortunate. So many people have never been able to access the King James Bible, don't have one. They've been given a a wrong Bible, or they don't read English, and they don't have what I have. I have a Bible that I don't have to correct. I don't have to listen to anybody tell me that it should be better translated some other way. It's already translated better. It's already the best. And we believe in... Inspiration, and we also believe in preservation, that God's words are preserved. You say, what about those ETH, EST endings, and all of that? Uh, well, listen, folks, God has given us the, the meat along with the milk. Now, He's not going to cut the meat for us. You know, you've got to cut your own steak. And uh, you've got to get into the Word until the Word of God gets into you. I'm, I'm glad when somebody stands up in some other pulpit and says, uh, well, This is an unfortunate translation. I want to counter that by saying, this is a very fortunate translation. We are so blessed to have the Word of God. And we know that God is going to keep every promise, every word of every promise in this book. And I have the opportunity in context to claim every promise of God. I am not going to dispensationalize away every principle in the Word of God, but rather I'm going to recognize that that scripture in our dispensation with our understanding can be rightly divided and rightly applied. The truth is always the truth. It's always right. And that's how we ought to be living. Amen? Get into the Bible. How many of you are still on your plan? You're trying to read through the Bible this year. I got my hand raised. How many of you are still trying to read through the Bible? Okay. All right. All right. Good. Isn't that great? Amen. Got a couple right back here just finished. Amen. Just got through the Bible. Was it a blessing? Amen. That was the first time ever, right? All the way through the Bible. Didn't find any mistakes, did you? No, there aren't any. Amen. There's no mistakes in the Bible. God's Word is absolutely true. Praise the Lord. Amen. Last week, I preached on wrestling with God. And I talked about the key. The key is very, very simple. When when Admiral Nelson took that French ship captive. And the French captain came out to extend his hand uh, with Admiral Nelson. Admiral Nelson said, wait just a moment. What did he say? First, give me your what? Your sword. This whole business of wrestling with God, the embrace and the goodness of God and the change that takes place in our life for the better will happen when you hand over the sword of your flesh, of your own ambitions, of your own desires, of your own selfish will, 
willful life. When you hand over the sword, then you get the handshake. That's when you get the embrace. That's when God starts to bless your life. And He'll bless you more than you could ever imagine if you'll surrender your life to God. So God finishes what He starts. We need to surrender ourselves completely to the Lord and walk and talk with Him and have that close relationship. And now today, the way this all works together is that the shofar has such a key place in our life and in the life of others. God wants us to know that there are applications that we can make as we sound the warning and as it is used to tell us about those experiences that we need to have. Number one is to wake up. It's an alert. It's an alarm. We need to wake up. It's a call. It's a call to get us up. Whether our, our call is to, to, uh, to, uh, to go to war or go to worship, it is a call to get us up. It's to wake us up, to get our attention. That's it. God's people are so distracted today that God's people who claim to be His own are not serving Him like they could be and are not blessed as they could be. It's a matter of our being awake and being attentive. we got so much going on. Part of the devil's uh, distortion and distraction is to get us so busy with other things that we just long for just a little opportunity for, for the Lord Jesus to talk to us and guide us and direct us through our life. We have questions. We have so many, so many question marks that need to be replaced with, with God's punctuation, with that exclamation point. God has told us emphatically that He wants to guide us with His eye, not our eye, that He wants to direct our ways, direct our paths, we're supposed to acknowledge Him. We're supposed to trust Him. And He shall direct thy paths. We need to know what the Bible says. But many Christians won't even crack open the Bible between church services. Won't read the Bible through. Won't spend any time alone with the Lord. We need to wake up. We need to be alert. We need to be able to see circumspectly. See all around. We need 360 degree vision. We need to be able to see what the Lord is doing. And by having the witness of the Spirit through the Word of God, we can begin to put into proper perspective some of those things that are going on. We got no business spending all of our time listening to and being impacted and affected by and directed by the news that you hear uh, coming from the secular news media. Instead, we need to be like those folks that are spoken of in Scripture that had a knowledge of those things, but they were able to put it all in proper perspective. If you can't see Jesus, if you can't focus on Him, if you can't see the hand of God at work in spite of the folly of man, if you can't see the Lord who is the King of glory, if you can't see Jesus who said, all, all power, all authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. If you can't see Jesus in everyday things, in every, everyday experiences and what's going on around you, you've got the wrong focus, you've got the wrong lens, you've got the wrong prism. Instead, you need to see it in the light of the Word of God and in the light of who Jesus is. We need to wake up. We need to wake up, up on the wall as a solitary figure. Maybe you identify with him. He gets up, the sun is just about to come up, as you see in the illustration on the front of your bulletin. And he lifts that ram's horn to his mouth. 
And he says, by blowing that horn in fourths and fifths, it's time to get up. It's time to wake up. Time for the city to get moving. Time for us, time for us to find our place in the work of God. To be faithful. We'll work till Jesus comes. We need to keep busy until that great getting up morning when His trumpet sounds and we're called up. It won't be, it won't be a shofar on the wall. It'll be a shofar from heaven. It'll be the horn that God blows. And we'll be caught up to be with Him and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I want to be able to stand before Him. And I want to hear Him say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Only if we've kept what He has given to us. He's invested in us. That what's been committed to us. Paul said to Timothy, that Keep that which is committed unto you. Keep that. Keep that. Guard that. Guard that. It is something that we should do with great tenacity, with great aggressiveness. The Christian life isn't a life of kicking back. It, it is a, a, a life of discipline, of being determined to follow the Lord no matter where, where He leads me, I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'll go with Him, with Him all the way. That's it. We need to wake up. We need to listen to that shofar on the wall. We need to treat it as a call and get up. Number two, it's a call to worship. Call to worship. Even today, uh, Judaism employs the use of the shofar. You can, you can see it. You can hear it. You can go on YouTube and see it for their, various, for their various times to come on the Sabbath day or for their festivals, for their celebrations. It is a call to worship. Today, the, the trumpet of God reminds us that worship is not something we do in a service where we stand up and do this number. Now, I love the Lord Jesus. I, I'm, I'm not going to get into a comparison contest, a competition with you, but I love the Lord Jesus, like the Bible says, with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. And, uh, and because of that, I'm willing to go soul winning when it's not convenient. And, and because of that, I'm willing to read my Bible through in a year, even though it may not be convenient. And because of that, I'm willing to, to tithe and to give over and above the tithe, even, even though it's not convenient. Because you see, a person who has stepped up to worship isn't just doing, isn't just idling, isn't just doing what's convenient. They're doing what they're doing by conviction. And worship is what I do 24 7. Because the Lord, because of where He is in my life, He's sitting on the throne of my life. Is Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? I know He's Lord of all, but is He the Lord of your life? Have you acknowledged Him today? Have you, have you taken that plunge into old chilly Jordan? Now you say, well, uh, isn't that about dying? No, it's about dying to self. Well, isn't the promised land about heaven? No, the promised land is about victorious Christian living. The symbolism in the Word of God in the book of Joshua has to do with here and now. Now, I know we're going to heaven, praise the Lord, and I know we're going to physically die, but the spiritual death to a self-willed way of life is the great concern of the 21st century. We should have learned some lessons the last quarter of the 20th century or so. We should have learned that you can't have shallow Christianity that's going to have any shelf life whatsoever. Shallow Christianity that's, that's 10 miles wide 
and a quarter of an inch deep is not going to do it. We need to go deeper with the Lord. And I'm not talking about this self-aggrandizement or this, this, um, uh, this self-inflating kind of uh, look, look at me uh, attitude that so many have. I'm talking about this. We want to launch out into the deep and put our net over on the other side and bring in a, bring in a load of fish and, and see souls come to Jesus and help them to grow in grace and teach them uh, to observe all things whatsoever the Lord has commanded us and uh, help disciple them and help them to become mature believers in Jesus Christ. We are not here just to consume the water and the food and the air and to take up space. We are here to bring lost souls to Jesus Christ. To do that, you got to have water, you got to have food, you got to have air. That's true, but that's we're not living for that reason. We are living for the reason of bringing other lost souls to Jesus and helping new Christians to grow in grace and have the joy of Jesus in their life. My worship and your worship is living for Jesus a life that is true. Living for Jesus 24-7. Surrendering to whatever He says. Being whatever He asks you to be. That's it. Faithfulness, faithfulness, loyalty to Jesus Christ. Not to, not to your company, not to your, to your uh, sports team. Those things come and those things go, but Jesus never fails. He's always and should be the center of our focus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's the one. He's the one for whom we live. That shofar is being blown right now to get up, pay attention, get on the job, be faithful, work till Jesus comes, worship Him. And first and foremost, we need to be worshipers before we're workers. We need to be worshipers loving Jesus with all our heart, soul, and mind. Say, no matter what He asks me to do, wherever He asks me to go, uh, whoever He wants me to deal with, I'm willing to do that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Uh, the shofar is blowing. Can you hear it? Can you hear it? Can you identify with the guy on the wall that's blowing it? Can you identify with him? He said, it's time, Christians, to wake up. It's time to get busy. It's time to be serving the Lord. It's time to be worshiping Jesus and loving Him completely with your heart, soul, and mind. Ken Overby is now the general director of Jewish Awareness. I knew him when. God bless you, Ken. Tunes in, sees us on YouTube. But he's the director of Jewish Awareness and uh, always had a heart for Jewish evangelism, winning Jews to, to Yeshua. Does a good job. He is, he is such a faithful servant. He and his wife serving the Lord now. They were down in the Northern Neck pastoring for years. He came out of Bobby Robertson's church down in North Carolina and uh, got good background. He and I used to sit at preacher's fellowships in the days when I used to go. And... Uh, we we're kind of like the renegades over there, but uh, we were the we were the guys saying King James Bible, King James Bible, and uh, good guy, good guy, Amen. Last time he came here, uh, he had the audacity to use the pastor as an example. You remember that? Had me stand down here, put all that. Remember all that Jewish stuff on me? I mean, I had a, I had the head thing on with the phylacteries and. He put the thing around my neck, and he messed my hair up, too. I hated that. 
Oh, man. I mean, can you imagine anything like such disrespect? But anyway, anyway, uh, he, he gave me the right answer. I believe he brought a shofar with him and blew on that thing. It wasn't very pretty. But we got, we got the, the general idea. When you blow on the shofar, there is a message. That trumpet that they call a trumpet, that ram's horn, has a message by its very existence. It's not a cow's horn. It's not a cow's horn. A cow's horn would remind us of the golden calf of idolatry in the wilderness. But the ram's horn reminds us of obedient Abram who took his, his son of promise, Isaac, three days' journey up old Mount Moriah. And as they reached the bottom and they left the people behind, they had their things. They saw there was, you know, there was wood for the sacrifice. There was this, that, the other fire. Uh, they had a knife. All those things. But there's no lamb. And Abram said in Genesis 22, 13, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. Great prophetic scripture you won't find in any other English translation just like that. Only the King James. God will provide himself a lamb. Gets to the top, obedient Abram, gets ready to offer his son, as unthinkable as that is, lifts his hand and he is stopped, voice stops him, and there's a ram caught in the thicket. And the ram is offered. And God always has what is needed. And God provides. Jehovah Jireh. He always provides. Amen. I believe it. Don't you, Daquan? God always provides. He always provides. He's always enough. He's got what we need. He'll help you. He'll help you through your cancer. He'll help you through your tough times. He'll help you through your... Surgery, he'll help you through your, your difficulties, won't he? He'll bring you through the hard times. Yes, he will. My God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. Abram found out firsthand, and Isaac, I'm sure, breathed a sigh of relief. God provided that ram. And now that ram's horn reminds us of the sacrifice, the beginning. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We get a new beginning with Jesus Christ. God provides so that we get a new start. God doesn't have to take us and our old, tattered self, but He gives, it makes us a brand new person from the inside out. Praise the Lord. That is a wonderful truth as we think about the shofar. It's a wake-up call. It's a call to work and to worship. And it's a warning call as well. Sometimes the shofar is blown. There is a distinctive pattern as it's blown and everybody knows to hop out of the sack and get up and, and uh, gird on their sword and go because it is war. They're going to be fighting to defend their family, their homeland and so forth. And we have been told that we have a, a war that we're fighting and it's a war that we know the ending already, but we are to contend for the faith. There is that faith that's once delivered unto the saints. We don't need anything new. A few years back, there was a, a, a great pastor who passed away, and another man stepped into his shoes. And as soon as he assumed the pulpit of that 
great church, that historic church that was a soul-winning church, while he began to teach things that are not in the Bible. And people got up in arms and they got upset, and rightly so, because he was not contending for the faith once delivered unto the saints. He was trying to come up with something that was new and novel and different. We need to ask for the old paths. Jeremiah chapter 6, the old paths, and walk therein. Old paths. We're an old-fashioned, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching, independent Baptist church, and I'm going to do it until I die or until God uh, you know, takes me home, however it may be. But there is, there is a war to be fought and to be won, and praise the Lord, we have the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that we're on the winning side. Praise God for that. Here we read the Scripture, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Inside of your bulletin I have listed some wonderful song titles to inspire. Sound the battle cry. Keep on the firing line. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'll be true precious Jesus. I want that mountain. There's power in the blood. God will take care of you. What a friend we have in Jesus. It is well with my soul. Jesus is coming again. If that doesn't light your fire, as George Yance used to say, your wood is wet. Praise God for gospel music, old-fashioned gospel music. Praise God for old-fashioned gospel preaching, the, the Word of God, old-fashioned gospel preaching churches and preachers. May they ever continue. Amen. And may we raise up another generation and another generation, another generation. We're in a crisis, as I've already said. There are hundreds of empty pulpits right now. And people are saying, well, you know, we need someone to come preach, but, but we, we need them to be... Uh, they need to be 30 years old and have 50 years experience preaching. That doesn't exist. We are in a dilemma. We need, to, we need to raise up. We need to mentor. Who here today, don't raise your hand, but who here today will answer the call? The shofar is blowing. We need some young men and women to stand up and say, I'll go serve God. I don't care what the cost is. I'll go serve God. That's more important than being rich. That's more important than being famous. That's more important than being comfortable. Who will stand up today and do that? Who will come forward and say, I'll serve God with my life. I don't care what it takes. I'm willing to lay my life on the altar of consecration. The shofar is a call to war. Satan brings out the world, the flesh, and the devil, all the forces of evil, and lines them up. And the prophet of God stands in the pulpit. And the young man along with him says, there's so many, what are we going to do? And the prophet says, you're just not looking in the right direction. Look up, son. Look up. For those who are with us are more than are with them. Amen. Amen. There's a heavenly gathering right now, according to the book of Hebrews, a great cloud of witnesses. And I don't know exactly where they are, but imagine, imagine this world in serving God like a great stadium. This is where the contest is going on for the souls of mankind. That's it. It's not, it's not to be the most popular or to be the, the biggest or the brightest, but to, who can reach those lost souls, those precious souls before they die and go out into eternity without Christ. And up in the stands are all the saints. There's all the all the apostles and all the prophets from the Bible. And I don't know that they can see down here. I don't know that for a fact. 
but we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And if they could, they would say, come on, come on, go on, go on. We've finished our course. We've run our race. We've done with God's enablements what needed to be done. And you can too by God's grace. You can run your race. You can finish it. That shofar blows and we go out to war. You say, man, the enemy is so strong. It's so great. Man, everything's coming at us. It's coming at us religiously. It's coming at us financially. It's coming at us practically in society and on many different levels, ethically and morally. And we're just being attacked. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There are more with us than are with them. I'm telling you right now, we're on the winning side. You stop being down in the mouth and discouraged. Stop looking at it through the eyes of the flesh. Stop looking at it because of your weakness, of your, of your frailty. We all have that weakness. We all have that frailty, but we trust in the Lord. We trust in His strength. That's it. There's a call to arms. Who will stand up and answer that call? And then the shofar was used in another way as well. It was a welcome. It was used as a welcome when I want you to picture it. He's standing on the wall. And daylight is just starting. And he can see a distance, miles across the plain. And he sees a long caravan coming. And yes, I can just make it out. I can see the banners. I can see, I can see the configuration. Yes, it's the king. It's the king. The king is coming. The king is coming. I, I, remember, I remember when... The song The King is Coming came out. And, and I'm, a, I'm a musician, but there are some preachers who like to exegete songs if, if the lyrics aren't exactly right and they change them. And, and that's okay. Do what you want to. Have at it. That's all right. But the King is Coming doesn't necessarily uh, follow a strict dispensational line, if I can just say it that way. But the one truth, it's kind of like a parable. The one truth is the King is coming. Jesus is coming. First, He's coming back to take us. But then after seven years of tribulation, uh, we're coming back with him. And there's going to be the battle of Armageddon. And the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, is going to sit on the throne of David, his, his ancestor, there in Jerusalem. And he's going to be in charge for a thousand years. And people are going to have to come up to Jerusalem and pay obeisance to the King of kings and Lord of lords, Jesus Christ, or the crops won't grow. There won't be any rain. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to happen. And if you're faithful, if you, if you faithfully suffer for Him and you serve Him during this age of grace, this church age, why, you're going to have a position in the millennial age. I'm talking about the thousand-year reign of Jesus Christ upon the earth. And who knows, you'll be in charge of this, that, or some other municipality. If you, if you serve Him, you're going to rule and reign with Him someday. I'm looking forward to that. But the King is coming. I can't wait. I can't wait. I know there's a rapture. Praise God. I know there's a judgment seat of Christ. We're not going to be judged for salvation, but for our works since we've been saved. We're going to cast our crowns at Jesus' feet. I don't know exactly how that's all going to fit in the configuration. Your chart may be, you know, slightly different from somebody else's chart, but I know these things are going to happen out in the future. I know Jesus is coming. I know He's taking His saints with Him. And then His saints will come back with Him. And I know that we're going to win. We're on the winning side. And I know we're going to rule and reign with Him. And then there's going to be a, a, an endless honeymoon. That bride that we're part of is going to be endlessly 
there with the Savior, Jesus Christ, serving the Lamb. It doesn't get any better than that. That's it, man. That's what we're looking forward to. That shofar reminds you. That trumpet reminds you. Jesus is coming. He's coming soon. We need to watch and pray like Jesus said. We want to be ready to welcome, to greet the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I know my Bible says that when He comes, there's going to be a change that's going to take place. Those that are dead are going to get glorified bodies. Those of us who are alive are going to be caught up. We're going to get a glorified body on the way. We're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. That's the smallest space of time that can take place. There'll be no time to change on our part. He's going to change us and we're going to be changed. And my prayer is that we're living for Jesus when that happens so that the change that takes place in you and me is as small as possible. Today, if you say, Lord Jesus, you can have it all. You can have my heart. You can have my life. You can have my hopes. You can have my dreams. You can have my family. You can have my job. You can have that car of mine that doesn't run half the time. You can have, you can have it all, Lord. It's all yours. Take it. Take me. Use me. Use me for your glory. I'm trusting that will be the result today. As we go to prayer, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Every person, head bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking. How many of you would say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart today. Slip your hand up. Something spoke to my heart. Yeah, yeah. Put your hand down. How many would say today, Preacher, there was a time when I was closer to God than I am right now. There was a time when we had closer, sweeter fellowship, but things aren't like they once were. They aren't as close. It isn't as sweet. It isn't as warm as it once was. And you'd be man enough or woman enough to admit it and say, I need to be closer to the Lord. Slip your hand up high. Come on. I need to walk closer to the Lord. I need to walk more closely with Him. And I'm not talking just about a list, but as you go down your list and you check it off and you say, you know, I don't read my Bible and enjoy it like I used to. I don't pray for folks like I used to. I don't witness and pass out tracts like I used to. I don't tithe and give like I used to. I don't have that joy like I used to. I need a revival in my heart and my spirit. Things have been kind of dry and dusty, and I need to get right with God. Then I tell you what you do as soon as the first strains of the music play for just as I am without one play. I want you to get up from where you are. I want you to come down here and have a word of prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I want to be back close to you again. I want to walk close with you again. I want to... I want to have that sweetness once again. I want revival in my soul. Lord, please give me back the fire. Give me back the joy that I once knew. Give it back to me, Lord. I want to serve you with my life. Somebody needs to come down the aisle today and say, Preacher, God's calling me into service. God's calling me into some kind of Christian service, vocational service. Somebody needs to come down here and say, I need to pray more for the missionaries and for those that are out there like brother and sister broom that are out there laboring. No paychecks. No money coming in. But serving God faithfully. Say, I need, I need to be willing to serve the Lord. I need to be willing to put my priorities right. I need to get things straightened around. I need to be right with God. I want the Lord to take me and use me. A lot of folks praying for their loved ones. Somebody's not saved. Somebody's not right with God. I want you to come as well. Come down here and have a word of prayer. I would say to you, if you are not saved, then today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. 
Now is the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm going to ask you just to come from where you are and let us know that you prayed this prayer and you meant it. It needs to be real. It needs to be from your heart. It's not just words, but it's really, truly opening your heart to the Lord Jesus. Here's what you pray. Don't pray out loud, but pray silently. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. And right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. He's got the whole